Welcome back to the Apprentice One to One podcast. I'm your host, Mark, and today I've got an extra special guest, and there's no pressure on me at all because it's not the host of the number one electrical podcast in the entire world. Well, it is actually. How are you, mate? It's Sam. Yeah, I'm good, man. Um, it always, I don't know how legitimate that that claim is, though. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? It's, it's what it is. There's a there's Blogspot, and they rank it on like uh, frequency of releases, number of views, all kinds of things they they throw into it, and we somehow are at the top of it. And uh, yeah, so I, listen, I'll take any prize that's thrown my way, but it doesn't mean to say it's legit. No, you're not doing yourself justice there. We've been speaking about this um, off social media, but you've got 100,000 audio downloads, mate. That is incredible. Yeah, that's, no, not, that's not by accident. That's not because you're, you're rubbish. That's because you're pretty decent at it. <laughs> no, do you know what it is? It's just that I, ha- I haven't stopped. I just <laughs> kept doing it. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, that was a big moment. I, I didn't think it would mean anything, but when it got to it and I finally saw it, I was like, oh, wow, like that's a nice milestone. It means a lot. It means a lot. It just, you know, I don't know if it should mean a lot because it's took a bloody long time. It is what it is. Um, I uh, I really enjoy podcasting. I mean, of course it should mean a lot. You are the, the father of the electrical podcasts in the UK. Definitely. Most of them spawn oh, from you. I would say I'm more the mother. I'd say Rick was the father. Ricky oh, Christ, that is, that is somewhere I don't <laughs> want to go. You and Rick procreating the podcasting space. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say, I'd say Rick, because it was Rick's idea. He wanted to do it. And then, uh, and then I sort of, it's been my baby ever since. He, he left me, he left, he left me a single mother. Yeah, he's gone and left everyone, disappeared, hasn't he? But I mean, this this really comes back to your help of the industry. We spoke about this on the first podcast you came on. You don't often talk about the stuff that you do. Um, and I know from a message you shared with me last week from someone who'd been in receipt of your work, finding em- employment and stuff. So if, if you aren't aware of this, listening to the podcast, Sam and Rick had the podcast way back when together, but you also had a union before that, didn't you? Yeah, so we so I think we've covered this before. Um Years ago, we set up a union for subcontracting electricians in the UK, uh, in the UK, started out in London, and then we went, we slowly got bigger. Um, I mean, it's not about anymore for various reasons. Um, just the union we got tied up with was a bit, bit uh, mental. Um, and no, we've done a lot of good things. We've done a lot of good things. We recovered a lot of unpaid wages. We went up against some of the biggest names and won. Um, we went up against Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and we won Sweet. that. Um, yeah, we, we done some good stuff. It was crazy. Um, I wouldn't, I, I would never do it again. Um, yeah, podcasting and that then like, that's where we sort of ended up podcasting. Yeah. I mean, you, you did say on the last episode you came on, but that was a while ago now. And for anyone who isn't aware already watching this, Sam's got a huge Monday Club show on YouTube and on audio. We'll link to all of that. He's on there every week with Nick and other people um, coming on for a chat about the electrical industry. And that's kind of the journey you've been on from the union towards that. And even now, you are actively helping people. Um, you know, you don't often talk about it. You've got people like me who are waving their arms in the air. Look at me helping this person and that person. And there are loads of people like you 
just getting on with it in the background, helping others. And um, you should get a lot of credit for that, mate. You don't talk about that enough. I know you do it. Well, I think you need to relax a little bit because actually, I'm going to say this because no, I don't think many other people, and I know you're going to get embarrassed by this, but I think what you're doing and knowing your plans and where you're taking what um, the Apprentice One to One organization, if you like, <laughs> um, I know where it's going. And what I would say is knowing you and knowing what you've done for the industry um, and done for um, hundreds, and, and let's, let's get it right, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people looking for employment, apprentices and and um, adult learners alike, you could quite well be one of the most important people in the electrical industry in the last 20 years. Yeah, I doubt that. Well, this was about you anyway, so we're not going to talk about me. Yeah, I'll look. I'll look. <laughs> now, I did want to get you on because you have had a change of role. You've spoken about it on Monday Club already. Yeah. Um, but we often don't get to hear much from you because you are the master of extracting information from all your guests and co-hosts. And sometimes your stories get lost along the way and we end up talking about your pooing in bags and other such things. <laughs> but I want to I want to look at some of the serious sides to you because you've got an interesting path through your career and now you're stepping up into this new role. So what is it you're actually doing at the minute for those people who maybe don't know? So, um, so what I do... My history was I've always been a subcontracting, um, a subby, um, working in and around London, um, picking up jobs um, through the agencies and various forms of picking up jobs and networks that you build over over time working in that sort of circuit. Um, they could be, you can get a job for a couple of weeks, you can get a job for a couple of years doing it that way. But you're, all, you're kind of self-employed, but not really. It's a... It's what's called bogus self-employment, um, and it used to suit me fine. I, it used to suit me fine. I quite liked it, um, but the reality is, you are you work as if you're employed, but you get none of the benefits. It is a bit mental, but then you're also not tied to a job, and you know you don't have to see it through. You can come and go as you please. Which is great when you're a young man out there doing what you need to do. The, for me, um, obviously, I've like I've got a wife and a child now, and a mortgage and stuff like that. So I've had to sort of find a way of leveling up, if you like. So the 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 um, so I moved down to the coast as well, which I must have said a million times, where the the work's a little bit more thin on the ground. Um, I've done all right working as a subby down at the coast and that, but it's you can have a couple of weeks out here and there. And when you've got a mortgage and you're raising a family, stable income is way more important than the big paydays. You can have two or three good paid, two or three good weeks, and then you've got to have a week off. It kind of levels itself out. And one of the things was my wife was really struggling to sort of balance the books each each month. Uh, and keep us afloat because she didn't really know what was coming in the next week. So stuff like that um, all sort of driven me to to this job that I've got now. So I'm currently um, site manager for um, a company called ABC, Avenue Building Con uh, Company. And they specialise in healthcare. So everything from um, x-ray machines, mammograms, uh, 
you name it, MRIs, CT scanners, everything that goes into um, into hospitals. We prep the room, floor to ceiling, um, and that includes the electrical, the aircon, mechanical, the whole lot is prepped by us. I manage that. I design the I design. Well, in time, I'll be designing the electrical um, installation um, and jump on the tools as well. I really don't mind that. Actually, I thought I thought going into it, I don't want to be on the tools and managing a job. But sometimes it's just so nice to jump on the tools and you know just switch off for a bit and just do what do what you know do what you know best really. Um, and it's and what I've realised is pushing yourself to that next stage. Um, like we are, we've obviously got very different routes into the industry and you're, you're like, you've got your successful um, electrical business and stuff like that. And you, you're your own boss. It was a tough pill to swallow to go from being a subby to PAYE. But the upside is it's phenomenal. Really? I'll get my own van, my own petrol cards, um, all my tools, all my expenses, everything's paid for. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm earning roughly the same amount of money each week as I was as a subby. Mm. Little variations here and there. Um, but I have almost no expenditure um, yeah. in terms of, like, if, if one of my tools break, I don't have to put my hand in my pocket. The company do that. If um, It's also good hours. The biggest downside is I have to stay away from home. Um, about... 60 to 80 percent of the year i will be away from home monday to friday but again it's about choosing the right company i was very fortunate actually i was working for this company in um in mason hospital and i was subbing for them and they asked me uh, well the guy i was working for asked me if it's something i would like to do like do you fancy a, a shot at this role and I, I mulled it over the wife and that, and I thought, I'm going to give it a go. I'm not keen on staying away. But the reality is I get so much more enjoyment from the work I'm doing because it's like a whole new chapter. Um, dealing with dealing with um, contractors on site, dealing with um, all... Oh, mate, I've got a, a folder that thick of drawings that I have to go through every single day just to work out where one thing goes. It's a whole new challenge. You're working for three sets of drawings from, from the... Um, so we have our own set of drawings. Then we have a set of drawings from Siemens or someone like that who actually... Um, whose job it actually is. Then you've got the main contractor or, or you'll have... Uh, there, there'll be a load of different drawings that you have to sort of cross-reference to find out where particular things go and i found that really interesting quite challenging at times because yeah you know you're gonna it, it takes a while to find your feet in any role doesn't it and understand, and understand exactly where things go and how things are done and then you've got to sort of work with people who have been established in that role for a while and you have to take a step back i'm not very good at that um i like to just I like to run before I can walk. I'm not interested in learning. I'm not a learner. Um, I just like to do. And if I mess it up, well, now I know for the next time. But I've had to change my whole mentality. And I think this sort of started uh, This started about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, where I really started thinking, 
I've got to start taking life a bit more seriously. I've got to start taking my role a bit more seriously. Um, listen, I'm still the same silly Sam that I've always been, but I'm also knocking on the door of 40. Um, and <laughs> it's not embarrassing, but I was kind of getting cheesed off, turning up as a subby to jobs. And when you turn up as a subby to a job, you're very rarely thought of as anything more than disposable. Mm. And it's quite a tough pill to swallow as you're knocking on the door of 40. You haven't got this established career. Um, and, and I wanted to change that. I wanted to change how I felt about the job. Um, and I started about a year and a half ago. Just if I went to a job, I would... There was like a stigma before where if you turned up with a whole set of tools, whole set of power tools, people would look at you like... Why have you bought all that? You're a subby, they should provide it. Um, and it was about changing that mentality. Yeah, I'd, I'd rock up all guns blazing, as I say, all guns blazing. And I wanted to do a good job, everything I did. I didn't just want to just turn up, see my day out, skive off and, and do as many toilet breaks as I can and stuff like that. You know, the same old playbook. I wanted to really change things differently, start approaching things with a different mentality. That led me to this job and the same mentality is now bleeding into this where I'm not, I'm not watching the clock. No. Four o'clock comes around, either I'm done for the day or I'm not. It doesn't really bother me because I'm, I'm still in it. I'm still caring about certain things. And that mindset change was so important. Um, Credit to you. Credit to you. I mean, that's a difficult thing to... It's easy to know what to do. Often the hardest part is to actually start doing it. And and you've made those steps. And the, seeing you do it and the changes in you and talking to you and hearing the different um, levels of enthusiasm for the work you're doing. Yeah. I've, no, I've noticed it in the chats that, that we have. Um, you know, it's brilliant to see. And you have got that extra responsibility now and all of the pressure of being away from home, which is obviously, you know, a factor. But the fact that you're so focused and determined to make this work credit to you it's been it's not just something you've started doing a couple of weeks ago now has it you've been at this a bit of time already yeah i, th I think we're coming up to six seven eight eight maybe seven weeks something like that yeah is it more than that it's probably no, getting on that way it might be a bit longer than that but i think it's it not... is about eight weeks now yeah and and you're, you're making it stick which is is really good you've got all that extra responsibility that you've um you've lapped up to be honest and I'm, I'm sure yeah. there'll be bumps in the roads with it there always is like you say when you're learning stuff that's new you'll make mess ups everybody will um and it's understanding and appreciating that journey as to what will make it a success for you or not and i totally get what you're saying as well been you know on the subby circuit or, or agency circuit coming to the age that we are you know you've got to be realistic of how long you can keep that going regardless of anything else so to take those measures you have now makes a lot of sense this is the other thing that i was really struggling with as well is um i've got quite fat <laughs> so <laughs> being as dynamic on site and running around and getting and like all them heavy graft that you have to do as a subby i started struggling with and yes i know i've got i've got to get fit and healthy because you're coming up to that danger zone like 40 plus and that you've got to really start taking care of, your, care of yourself again um but i was finding the graft hard um and i felt i had this sort of deep feeling that i was selling myself short that because makes you, sense you're just treading water as a subby there's no there's nowhere 
beyond what you're doing. You're mm. you're only ever going to earn the same amount of money. The responsibility is only ever going to be the same, um, and you're always going to be disposable. And for me, it started being a bit. I talk about the soul, um, but not in a religious way, but in a way like to sort of quantify what I'm talking about. I felt like it was a very soulless thing, and I felt like I was getting. I was holding myself back. Now, a lot of people early on in their in their lives will get hit with that lightning strike and they'll be like, right, I can do more. Man, I left it late. I left everything late. Um, so, yeah, there'll be younger guys out there. Don't think you've got to wait till 40 to get to start getting your life in order and start pushing to the next level. It, I did because I'm a bit, bit dumb, really. But the reality is, here I am now. We're pushing forward and it's so nice. Like I turn up to site and really and truly, yes, I'm working with a senior site manager because they're showing you the ropes and stuff, but it's my design going on the wall. It's my time frame going on the wall. Brilliant. I don't have to worry about, I don't have someone looking over my shoulder. Um, other 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 uh, trades come on site, so I'll arrange a, a trades to come on site and do their bit as well. But in the meantime, I'm just sort of plodding along, putting up a bit of containment, pulling in some cables, just doing just doing it in my own time. And it's almost like it's like a, a sense of freedom because you go to a job, you go to a subbing job, and there'll always be one. Um, there'll always be a supervisor who's a bit of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> you won't come across them. There'll always be a supervisor, a bit of a dick, and I'll always end up going to war with them, going to battle with them over something. I don't have that anymore. I'm the guy. Mm. I'm the guy. So I just do dick. what I'm doing. <laughs> well, do you know what? I'd like to think I'm not. No, I'm sure you're not. It's, your your journey is actually really powerful. It's showing to people what you can do. You're saying you've left it. You left it late. I mean that that's not really so true. You're not ancient you're not past it quite yet and i'm sure there'll yeah. be people who maybe listen to this i mean i'm thinking off the top of my head i can think of maybe 10 guys who were in apprentice one-to-one in their 50s just trying to retrain and to know that something like what you're doing is possible you know that's quite inspiring for them showing that journey you've literally come from the very very bottom of the trade and you've worked your way all the way up over the last 10 15 years and now you find yourself a site manager installing state-of-the-art medical nhs equipment to the point you've been trusted with some of that design as well. That's actually an incredible journey when you just step back and look at that. It's it's really fun as well. What the thing is, I've landed on my feet with this company. Um because they're really good. Like they they just want the job done. So they're not breathing down your neck. They haven't got a load of arbitrary rules that you don't like. There's none of that. They look after their people. They don't expect you to be like traveling home like i'm five and a half hours away on a friday they don't expect you to be there till four and then travel and get home at 10 o'clock stuff like that you play the game you you do you do your bit and and you get to go home at a reasonable time there's a there's all these things that when you choose a company a lot of people get it wrong when you go to an interview it's an opportunity for you to find out about the company you're working for as well so I, I had it quite I had it quite good because I was working for them as a subby and I was speaking to, to the guy there and we had we shared a lot of similarities in our in our career choices. 
um, was roughly the same age um, and, and we got on very well. So I could ask him lots of questions about the role, what it entails, what the company's like, what the owner's like, what the director's like, what, what the people you're working with are like, because it's so important. Because when you're going from being a subby and you've got all your freedom, you don't want to go to a company that's really strict and like, because that transition's so difficult. Yeah. I've gone to this company and everyone's sweet. The director's yes. sweet, the owner's sweet. Everyone is. They're really nice people. And not just that, they want you to, like, they actually care. Like, it's funny. The, um, I was ill, like, not last week, the week before. And one of the directors come down. He goes, uh, so I've obviously had to chat to him about a few things. He goes, well, how are you outside of work and stuff like that? And I was like, I was a little bit thrown back by that conversation because he's like mm-hmm. talking to me and he's like, he's genuinely interested. What's happening with you then? Like, I was like, oh, well, and obviously, you know me, I could, I could speak for hours. I think, I think he wanted to run away by the time I'd finished talking. But it was so, it was such a nice thing, you know. Yeah. And after that's good company culture, doesn't it? It is good company culture. Um, and they really do look after the lads and stuff like that. So I landed on my feet with this job. Um, and well, more so landed on my feet with the company and mm. the type of work they do, because, you know, it's not massive building sites with 300 people on where you, where you just go and hide. Like you might be working in a functioning hospital. You might be working in a nightingale hospital that's being converted into a, an extension of the existing hospital and stuff like that. Um, this is what I'm doing now. Um, so it's not horrible, dank work that you're doing. Um, and, and you're toiling and you know, it's just griefy and horrible work. I'm sort of limited. So you, so the sites I'm on, they might be three or four rooms at a time, or they might be one tiny room at a time that you're only there for four weeks it's nice because everything's in one area. So you get in, you get set up, you get your site box set up, you get your table set up, you do your bits, you, you organize, do your couple of phone calls on a Monday, make sure everything's coming that week. And you just set out, you get a few people in, maybe get in a few subcontractors, some laborers and stuff like that. And you just sort of, you've got like this whole orchestra yeah. that you're conducting. And it's really, really fun. It's really interesting to hear you, you're talking about it because a lot of apprentices, when they're trying to, come into the industry they don't want to be a laboring electrician forever they want to see that journey that progression that's possible and, and you telling that story there is really powerful for a lot of them you know you can work towards those kind of roles where you can be designing and working on some incredible electrical systems um, so we need to hear more of that I think in industry and I don't know if you've noticed but there's the IET conference next week and to be totally honest I can't think of somebody better who should speak at an event like that, um, than yourself. You've seen this trade from top to bottom. Um, it's a, supposedly about electricians' competence. <laughs> and, you know, if they're really serious about hearing what's actually going on out in industry and what that competence looks like and inspiring the next generation of apprentices, they should be engaging with people like you. Has your phone been ringing off the hook from those guys? <laughs> no. Listen, <laughs> as you well know, Mark, because of Monday Club and the type of nonsense we talk about i am i am um not the most desirable electrical person for straight lace companies to um communicate with 
That's mm. that's saying it. Basically, I talk about poo and um, doing stupid stuff on site, as well as being normal and talking about the everyday life of being a spark. But it sort of throws it out a bit, doesn't it? It throws it out a bit. People ain't trying to listen. People ain't knocking down my door for Sam's opinion. Yeah, I think that's a shame because you've probably got better insight than most. You'll have seen the worst and the best of the industry. So if they actually want some insightful input, it's better thing, to ask. See this thing with the IET. This, it's like they're so out of touch. It drives me insane. You're so out of touch, right? A lot of the people listening to this will be uh, one-man bands or a couple of geezers working from um, doing com- uh, doing domestic sort of stuff, right? As if they've got time to log CPD. I mean, what is that? Why is that a thing? Why is that a That is just such management nonsense, logging CPD. Well... Oh, I read the back of a... Uh, oh, I got light switches in today and I read the little pamphlet that comes with it. Throw that away. Throw mm. that away. I don't need to read it. I'm not interested in it. Yeah. It's a big oh, discussion, I'm going to I'm, I'm get a folder. I'm going to put it in there and I'll be like, oh, yes, Mr. NIC, um, I logged it. Do you know what I mean? Why? Yeah. It's Why? like it's taking virtue signaling to, to paper form a lot of it. Oh. And the IET aren't the only ones doing it. You see in the joint, joint industry board as well, a lot of the CPSs, they're all on this bandwagon now of CPD. And encouraging electricians to, to learn more is a good thing, but to try and say that the state of the industry is because we haven't been doing enough CPD is taking, liber- <laughs> is taking liberties because the state of the industry has often been driven to the stage it's at now by a lot of these people telling us we need to do more CPD. So where's the acknowledgement and understanding of that? That frustrates me. It's so dumb. It's such management dumbness. It's like, it's called learning. And it's something that you do when you're at work. It's like, I know I'm not going to write it down when I get home in the evening. Oh, yes, today I learned about this, this, and this. No, I'm not doing that. As soon as my tools go down and my thing goes away, I ain't thinking about work again, unless it's for a podcast. And that's it. Yeah. Like, I ain't trying to go home and log stuff. They're so stupid. And it's like, not only that, if they think the lack of logging CPD has led to the downturn in competent electricians, well, then that's just stupid. That's just not a fact. You look at you look at the content that's out there that's available for electricians to view and learn from, is phenomenal at the moment it mm. like i've said this a million times but it's never been so more relevant for our industry we live in the greatest time for um access to knowledge and certainly electrical knowledge you've got real powerhouses yourself gsh efix um like real learn the real sources of knowledge and and great content that breaks things down into listen i've been i i, I was i was using a dodgy bender a couple of uh six months ago and i couldn't get i couldn't get the end-to-end right uh on on a bit of bench tube i went on gsh and i just brushed <laughs> up it took me it took me 
I don't know, I skipped to the bit where I needed to go and then just brushed up on my knowledge. I'm not scared to admit that. Sometimes sometimes you have to do that. And it's brilliant because you can just go straight onto GSH, have a look, and you're like, all right, well, that's easy. Um, yeah. I'll brush Do I log that? Do I go home and log that? Oh, yes, I watched GSH today. <laughs> no, I don't. Because yeah. we're tradesmen. And I think, I think there's... Um, I think there's been a bit of a disconnect as to what a tradesman is. And definitely, definitely. We're the kids who messed about at school, mm. who were bright but messed about at school. Um, yep. We we got C's because um, done well, but could try harder. Do you know what I mean? Could try yeah, harder. Pretty much it, isn't it? Because you just wanted to go and do something with your hands. You were more interested in drawing a picture, or oh, I can't wait to get home and do something with my hands like I like at school I was not trying to sit there and log my CPD that weren't a thing that was never I didn't want to I didn't even do homework I didn't do homework hmm. because I wanted to do other things like help my dad build a shed or I don't know go in the shed and build something for myself like I just wanted to do stuff fix my bike and stuff like that you know build a model yeah that's what we are we are the kids who went to school done okay, probably didn't live up to our full potential and and wanted to work with our hands. So we went and done we went and done a trade. Now you've got now this mythical management crew who are doing a conference at the IT now stipulate, oh, you've got to log CPD because we feel that will show more competence. It doesn't. Come and sit, come to sight with me for a day and see if I'm competent. Yeah. Exactly. I think it's diversion tactics, a lot of it. I mean, I'm, I'm holding judgment on the IET conference until I actually see it. Um, but I do have concerns about quite how that's going to go down. And I think a, a lot of it is diverting away from those who are, do actually have some skin in the game for responsibility of what's happened. It's an easy win to say, well, all your electricians are incompetent because you're not learning il- enough, rather than, you know, we helped you all qualify in ways that maybe weren't quite legitimate, or we enabled you to get um training in ways that wasn't or whatever there's all sorts of real reasons for it the downfall in the apprenticeship system and the numbers there been one all the time we're talking about cpd we're not talking about any of that stuff and that's an easy win for them all cpd is um closing the gate after the horse has bolted that's all it is it's like oh well if we mandate that everyone does cpd everyone else then it's on everyone to level up otherwise they won't get their accreditations or whatever it's yeah. such nonsense it's like for years you let the you let the apprenticeship um the apprenticeship route into the industry fall into disarray um i'd done an apprenticeship but i didn't so i did it with a college and when i did the three years i did it all off my own back but i worked with i worked with two companies in that time and uh it was a joke it was a joke like honestly the, the the college they just wanted you to pass there was no failing no one failed that course yeah no one failed anything because if they if you failed they didn't get paid yeah it's tragic isn't it and that's the reality of things that's what actually goes on mate i should have failed the whole thing i should have failed i should have failed I, at the time um i just wasn't taking life seriously enough and uh yeah, I had to do like the science test three times or four times or something. Mm. Li- like, and you could do it as much as you wanted. 
You, yep. you could do it 10 times. There's people in there done it seven or eight times. Still going on now. I get messages like that all the time from people who are in college, been, you know, pushed along with um, exams and stuff that they don't really feel comfortable taking, even to, towards the AM2, that they've not been adequately prepared. And it's just training centres trying to get people through the door. It's so sad when it doesn't have to be like that. You know, it's um, it's tragic, really. And so the, that's one thing. The other thing is, I there was I remember back in two thousand and eight, there was a massive um, flood onto the market of um, of electricians. I remember it like because I was working in London, and what had happened was, I think it was NG Bailey's done it first. They went management only. So they kept a very small core of like cardi electricians, PAY electricians. Yeah. And then they let all of their other electricians who'd been there like man and boy go. They was like, right, you're gone. So they all had to go. They said like, right, we're not employing you anymore, but you can come back and work for us as subbies. So before you, before you knew it, the whole, the whole subby circuit was, um, was swamped with NG Bailey guys and um, T Clark guys, and mm. like they let thousands go, and it cost them a few quid because they had to pay them out and all that sort of stuff. But they'd sort of jettisoned them all out into the industry, um, and it's like it's like going it's like going to war. Would you rather go to a war with an army that you trained and built yourself, or an army of mercenaries? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's what well, it is. It is. It's not like, and so most of the building sites in, in London now are mercenary armies doing the install. They don't care. Why should they care? Do you know what I mean? Like, why should they care? Because you like, you could go on site, you could say the wrong thing, you can like, have, like you could go on site and if I went on site and I said, why do I care? I'm not even going to see the end of this job. They would be like, get off the job. Mm. so you can think it yeah but you can't say it it. (laughs) and it's because the 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 supervisor above you will be a subby as well so he just wants to keep his job because he's on a right cushy number he don't have to do no work um and all he has to do is make sure you turn up and do your work all day and get two three hundred quid a day for that but he's just ticking boxes to keep his job. The person above him is all stressed out because he's got three or four jobs below him and he just wants him to do his job. And it's just a really bad, bad way of doing doing building. And I think mm. that's a, I think that is a massive contribution towards the um the downturn in quality electricians. Because if you look at the amount of electricians who are who are just in the commercial and industrial sector who are subbing and don't have any, they, they're not, there's no buy-in for them. There's no buy-in no. for them. And the company doesn't buy into them. They don't buy into the company. They're just there to get their money and go, sack me, so what? Pick up the phone, I'll have a job tomorrow. And it's hard to break out of that mentality. It it's is. really hard. Definitely. And for some will never break out of it because they don't think like they want to get to the next level. They're just doing what they're doing. They're earning a thousand pound a week get a Saturday morning, you're easily earning a thousand pound a week. And all you've got to do is keep your head down, do a little bit. And you know, you might get six months out of the job. Yeah, There's I mean, no way to live. And this is a problem with the industry. So you've got all these people at these conferences, all these management people with the silly letters they purchased behind their name to 
telling you, oh, well, electricians aren't competent. Why aren't they competent? One, the apprenticeships, the route into the industry with apprenticeships is a joke. Two, once you're in the industry and, and, like, and you're a subby, no one cares about you, so you end up getting a very bad attitude and a very bad mentality. I'm not saying it's a right mentality. Let me just say that. It's not the right mentality, but it's what happens. It's facts. And then, you know, so there's two major reasons. And then, yeah. oh, can you all log your CPD? No, it's, it's, it's just a, all that is is a slopey shoulder mentality for management. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, you make a great point with the direct employment. If we're all on kind of agency employment, you're not going to be taking apprentices on either, are you really? So it kind of is a total disconnect of the, the supply chain of labor into the electrical industry. You're not going to get that training. You're not going to get that next generation of electrician. People are just the mercenaries. That is such a good analogy. I've never thought of it like that before. Um, yeah, I totally agree, mate. You've, you've nailed it with that. Well, I was thinking about it the other day, driving along like a weirdo. It's, it's not just that as well. It's like, if you took on an apprentice on like a commercial industrial job, like what I'm doing, and you take on an apprentice, but you've only got mercenaries who aren't bought in, then then they're not bought into your job. They don't care about your job because they know they're not going to see the end of it. They know you don't care about them teaching your apprentices. Yeah. Now what? Good point again. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to get. You're going to get an apprentice who's been shown how to do everything the easy way. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's it. The people who might be listening to these kind of messages the most they will tend to be domestic electricians because, as you say, they tend to be the ones with skin in the game on all of this kind of stuff. 75% of the market of electricians out there, if you believe some of the figures. So for the IET or whatever, the JIB, whoever else to be saying, log your CPD and everything will be rosy. Yeah, it's, it's taking the mick. Speaking about speaking about that, have you seen the domestic um, electrician new apprenticeship thing? I wondered what you thought of that. Do you know what? It's a funny one because I don't think. See, I'm a bit biased on this, and I, I'll be very honest. Um, if you, if you if you can go and do commercial industrial at a good level, you can do house bashing. But I don't think it's reversible. No, I would um, agree with that. What I will say is house bashing is so much harder physically because you've got to be on the ball. You've got to be going, going, going. You've got to get so much done a day because you've got to make your money. You've got to be on the floor, up in the ceiling, be on the floor, up in the ceiling all day long. It's hard graft. It's not for me. That's why I don't do house bashing. <laughs> it's dirty. It's hard graft. And hats off to those who can do it and who enjoy it is your special breed. You're a special breed. And that's why the ones who are good at it make good money. Mm. What I will say is, though, this, it's in their interest to learn and progress with the industry. And this is what I think these management companies don't understand. If you are a one-man band just banging out jobs and sla slamming it in and just proper lash-ups, it's only going to be, you're only going to get so much work before you're at the bottom of the pile. You're at the bottom of the pile, you're getting all the dog end work and you're getting a bad name for yourself. It's, it's not like those people will make a living for the rest of their life doing the worst type of work. 
And that's what we're talking about here. That's what this this silly conference is about, is this, t this tiny portion of, it might not be tiny, it might be a third mm. of, of electrical, uh, like uh, domestic electrical installers doing crappy work or doing work where they're not, they don't have the correct knowledge to do it properly. Yeah. They're never going to be getting like the high end stuff because the second they do, they're out of their depth and they've noised it up and then, and then they're on the phone to Mark <laughs> and you've got to go and fix it. Do you know what I mean? And this is what I'm saying. It's like, unless you're constantly trying to improve and constantly trying to get to the next level and learning about what new things and new ways and, you know, looking into like watching eFix where they do their innovation thing. I don't mean they do innovation corner anymore, but they do their like, like when they review the new products and stuff like that. If you're not watching that and you're not seeing these new ways where you might be able to save half an hour on your install using a certain new type of pro uh, new type of product, then you're never going to get to where you want, which is going to be more value jobs yeah. and a good reputation and expanding your business. So what I will say as well, everyone makes mistakes and you can't say that's not competence. No. It's like, it's life. <laughs> it's life. So I think it's really, really important to not just throw around this, this sort of word competent. It's like, what are you targeting when you say uh, electricians aren't competent? Are you talking about the breadth of their knowledge, their hand skills, their understanding of, um, of business even mm. where, what isn't, what makes, what, do they define a non-competent electrician? And then once you've broken that down, you can find the answer as to why they're not competent. Have they done a five-day course and now they're out house bashing? Well, whose fault's that? <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly. their fault. No, it's so frustrating, isn't it? It really is. And that was that was kind of um, the question that I was I was leaning on was the there's two kind of two chains of thought already around this domestic-only apprenticeship that they're on about introducing in April. And some people are saying it's further de-skilling. So it's another attempt at paying electricians less and reducing the training that we get. And other people are saying it's actually providing the training that's needed to a specific sector. And it's it's a good thing. And I'll be honest, I'm kind of leaning towards that away from, from the other. I just wondered how you saw it. What you I, think, think about that. I think it is providing... Um, I think it's good. I, like, I'm, I'm sort of leaning towards... It's good because I actually think there should be more um, courses. I think what the way I see it for me is you should do a core underpinning knowledge of becoming an electrician, right? And that's just focusing on the, on the basics of becoming an electrician, which is essentially what this domestic MVQ is, isn't it? Yeah. It's an underpinning knowledge. And then what you should be able to do is bolt on courses. Yeah. So if you wanted to go to to the uh, domestic, uh, go from being a domestic to a commercial electrician, go and do a Bolton course on containment. Yeah, makes sense, doesn't it? Go and do it because there is certain nuances to doing containment that can save you hours and a load of faffing about and a load of mistakes and a load of scrappy trunking and stuff if you learn it the right way. And if they're not going to fix up the apprenticeship scheme and start doing proper apprenticeships, 
proper varied um, apprenticeships and, and companies aren't going to buy into it, then you need modular courses to sort of bolster that, that underpinning knowledge. And for me, I would like to see um, domestic installer courses, but it should be like, you shouldn't be able to transfer straight into another sector from that. Yeah. Like with, as it currently stands with my gold card and with, when I come out of my when I come out of my time as an apprentice, as an apprentice, and then as a a mate or an improver, or whatever they called, and then I went to becoming like a, a full time electrician, gold card electrician. It was another five years after that before I could walk on site and be like, "All right, I'm good to go on pretty much anything." Uh, easily another five years, maybe more. And I've often had the had this discussion with guys on site, and they're like. They always ask, how long have you been doing it for? Because then you, you really do know. So if someone's been doing it 20 years and they ain't got a clue, then they're a div. <laughs> but the, most people will have a real good understanding after about five years. And after about 10 years, after coming out of your time, is when you're really comfortable. You can, you, like, nothing phases you, if you like. You can turn yeah. your hand to anything. And that's the problem, because... With that gold card qualification, you can go on into anything and get paid as an electrician, even if you're not competent in that field. Like you could go and do, go and work on, if you had the other bits and pieces, you go and work on a wind farm. What do I know about a wind farm? True. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. Nothing. Oh, so you go and do a safety course and you go out to sea and you work on a wind farm. I'm out of my depth. What, just because I've got a gold card, I should know. It's like that stupid thing that people go, oh, uh, you go around, you put in a socket in their house, and they go, oh, my washing machine don't work. <laughs> and you're like, all right, sweet. And they're like, oh, but you're an electrician, shouldn't you know? Or my laptop doesn't work. Can you fix it? No. That's so true. That happens all, I hate of, that. all the time. I hate that. It's like, yeah, but it's got electricity in it, don't it? <laughs> all right, mate. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? What are we doing? And yeah, then it's, it's the same bad. thing. It's the same thing on a bigger scale. So having more... Um, I can't think of the word. Having more specific training in, in in different sectors, I think is essential. I think that's what they're actually doing as well. People are kind of comparing this domestic apprenticeship as replacing the current one. But this is kind of the first move. I think they're actually rejigging the entire apprenticeship as the next step. So I think that's coming in 2023, where they're looking at changing the traditional MVQ and mixing that up a little bit. Some of the people are, have got upset because they're including periodic testing within this domestic um, apprenticeship, supposedly. And obviously, you don't get that included in your um, traditional apprenticeship. And then also some other bits around exposure to solar and EV and stuff. So they do need to iron out some of those kinks. Um, but you're not going to get that straight away, are you? You have to give people a chance to let them show you exactly what they are going to put forward before you start pulling it apart. But who's they? Who's they? Like... I don't understand. Who's come up with this? So it's TESP. So the Electro-Technical Skills Partnership. So the ECA, JIB, Unite the Union, which kind of already draws suspicions. That's why people start thinking, is same this old, an attempt? Same old crowd. Yeah, to, to drive rates down um, and those kind of arguments. So they've maybe not helped themselves a little bit in the way they've said that you can get a gold card from that domestic apprenticeship. Although it is going to be graded as domestic only, the fact it's it's there, I think that's the big thing that's turned a lot of people off to it. Um, but a lot of people go into go into being an electrician, like certainly um, 
like later in life learners will go into being an electrician thinking I only want to do house bashing. I want to get a little van. I want to do my local area and I'm going to do the best I can. I don't want to learn about all the other bits and pieces. I want to learn about that. And it's great. That's great because if they can get a higher, not higher understanding of, of the sector they're going into from a proper course, why is that a bad thing? I don't think that's a bad thing. I do think it should, I do think there should be, uh, it should be more modular and like, um, sector specific, if you like. Yeah. I, think that, I think it. I think it. If it was done right, it will be awesome. But the electrical industry and the the all powerful people that that set these <laughs> things and have done for the last thirty years have never really done it very well at all, have they? No. Let's be honest. There's been a it's few always, mess ups. <laughs> it's always. It's never. It's never right. But you know what I say. It's always. Being a critic is the easiest thing. Yeah, it is. It is. Couldn't get you on to talk about um, the apprenticeship sector because this is kind of traditionally what my audience are without asking you again for some of your best tips in trying to find work. Either um, so you're 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 a put yourself in the position of somebody who is an adult retrainee. They're at college. They're trying to get some experience to finish a portfolio. So the best tips you can give them to try and find a bit of work. And then somebody who's just kind of finished their apprenticeship, stepping out into industry, what would be your your main suggestions on that? So I can only really speak to what I know. So that is a commercial industrial sector. And it's very, very simple. You've got two routes in. One, you can get a list of all the M&E agencies out there. They exist. Um, you can get these lists. You can um, Google it, Google M&E agency, uh, recruitment agencies in your local area. In fact, do it for the whole country because they, like, I've been employed by people in Liverpool before in the centre of London. So just go through and say, right, I live in London. So you phone up, you say, hello there, I'm an electrician. I live in London. I'm looking for work in London um, or the surrounding areas. Boom. They put you on the system. And spend a day doing that and you'll get an agency job, no problem. Um, and that'll get you on site. So you need your EC, so you need your ECS card, which you can get the white one um, if you're not fully qualified and just get your experience. Or you can get the uh, gold one, which means you're fully qualified and you're just venturing out. That's one way. My way that I adopted when I moved to Kent is I took the... I. I was quite resentful of recruitment agencies at that point. Um, and I decided that I would become my own recruitment agency. And I've done a video on this actually, um, on Fat Sam channel. It's a terrible channel, but just some bits and some thoughts I put on there. Um, do a spreadsheet, go online and find, you could do it over a week, go online and find 10 companies a day put them on your spreadsheet and every day just phone through them 10 companies ask the simple questions who's the person in charge of your recruiting are you looking for anyone at the moment can i speak to that person can i take a name number can i take a um email address and if you can only get the email address have a letter already done have a letter already done personalize it to that person send it to them just keep and then do 10 a day until you've got a whole list 
maybe 30, 40, 50 companies in your local area um, that do the type of work. So when you phone them up, find out what type of work they do. Are they domestic house bashers? Is that where you want to go? Do they do commercial? Do they only work in schools? Do they only work in uh, hospitals? Do they do everything? Do they work on boats, like being by the coast, whatever? Find a and create a picture of the work going on in your area. Create a list of people that make the decision on recruiting. So there's no point speaking to Sheila who answers the phone. She ain't gonna ever get you a job. You need to find John Murphy who does recruiting, hiring and firing. You need to speak to him. And you need to speak and you need to keep churning that list every week until you land the role you want. Then once you've landed that role, now you're a subby and you've got a whole list of 50 contacts that you can when you when your job comes to an end and it will do sometimes very unexpectedly at quarter to four on a friday don't need your monday you've got this powerful list of people in your area because you don't want to travel miles and miles away you want to work in your area you've got this powerful list that you can keep churning through phone numbers send out send out a text message send out an email give them a call and then put notes on on your spreadsheet just make sure make these little notes that he likes to be called um he likes to be emailed um bit of a dick or not <laughs> really nice guy gonna be on there for 15 minutes um and then ask him key questions have you got any work coming up where you're gonna need subby labor yeah we've got a big job coming up in about three months time put that down uh, and change the color of it to like gold because that's your pot of gold now you've got now you've got a good one there so you know in three months time if you're short of work boom you right, John? I heard you. Uh, do you remember me at Sam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Electrician from Margate. Yeah. Well, I know you've got this job sign. Yeah, we have, mate. Um, yeah, well, can you start Monday? And before you know it, you've got this powerful list of people you can work for in your in your area and you can churn through it. Um, and that is how I would do it if I had to go back to it again. It's how I did it and that's how I got this job. And it's just about churning through and making sure that you... The other thing is as well, one of the things you'll you'll realise in in this game, in the commercial industrial game, is the prices. Your day, you you'll always work for a day rate, really, whether it's an hourly rate or a day rate. You'll be able to command more because you're churning through and do, you're your own recruitment consultant. So you're having a better you'll have a better understanding of what they need. They'd rather talk to you because no one likes recruitment consultants unless they're giving you something for free, which invariably means it's going to cost you down the line anyway. Do you know what I mean? So I would always, um, I'll always be like, listen, my day rate is this. And they go, oh, it's a bit, it's a bit, bit too much. But nine times out of 10, they go, yeah, that's fine, mate. Because they're paying, they're paying well over the odds when they go to a recruitment consultant. So you, you tap them up and, and you want 250 a day. You're probably going to get two fifty or close to two fifty a day, mm. rather than what you'd get from a recruitment consultant, which might be nineteen pound fifty an hour, which works out at like ninety eight pound a day or something. Ain't worth it. No, that's powerful, powerful insight and advice there, and you're giving it freely again just to help people. If anybody is listening to that, Sam's been working that for a long, long time, and you'd do well to take note and listen to it. And it's just to, to come back again on my behalf and thank Sam, because if you have seen any of the Apprentice one-to-one logos, 
The ah. first ones, the first ones were mine. Um, Sam's totally rebranded that. He just did it one weekend um, out of the blue. Incredible. Same for my business. Actually, I've now learned that anytime I need some decent branding, if I make a dog's dinner of it and share enough of it across social media for long enough, Sam will eventually fix it for me. So <laughs> it's the brilliant that you give that advice and help to people. Um, and you don't get the credit for that. Too often people share these nonsense tales about you that just aren't true. And it really no, the, thing the is, hell out of me. The thing is, it might be true, but it, it's not true now. Yeah, well, there you go. And again, thank you for coming on to chat with me. I think we've about finished, unless you've got anything else you want to add while you're here. No, mate, I've got to be honest with you, Mark. I really, really enjoy being a guest. I, it's so much better than being a host because I get to talk and talk and talk. Whereas when you're a host, you have to listen. Yeah, you do. You do. And I've got you on because I want to be the next podcaster in the 100K club. So everyone get downloading the Apprentice one-to-one podcast and make me number two behind Sam. Cheers, everyone, for watching. Thanks for coming on, Sam. I will catch you on the next episode of the Apprentice one-to-one podcast. Cheers, mate.